So, good morning, Hope Church. It's an absolute joy to be with you, to be amongst friends. Um, I'm not entirely sure what's going to come out of today, but that's okay, um, because it's Unexpected Sunday, isn't it? Maybe we should just call this Unexpected Sunday. Um, when Jan asked me, um, just last week, I thought, there's no way I can prepare anything for this Sunday because my diary was looking crazy as, as, as usual. And I thought, I even emailed her back, maybe I can just bring something that I've shared at River, would that be okay? And Jan, being very gracious, said, yeah, it'd be fine. And then I sat down to, to alter one of my River messages and I was getting all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, oh God, really? Okay, let's just not go to bed tonight. No problem. So what I felt God say is to, to share a little bit about the times and the seasons we live in. And then to talk a bit about how to cultivate an increasing sense of the presence of God, no matter where you are, what you're doing, or what you might be going through. So does that sound okay? Cool. Well, let me just start with a wee story. <laughs> about 3,000 years ago, a man called Isaiah, who was about 30 years old, he prophesied something really crazy, something impossible. You see, he prophesied that a day would come in Israel when the rivers would flow in barren heights and springs would be within the valleys, that the deserts would be turned into pools of water, the parts ground into springs, and that cedar, myrtle, and olive trees would grow in the desert. Now, that's incredible. You know, it's, it's crazy, it's impossible. And he, he went on to say, I'm prophesying this so that when it happens, the people will know that there's a God and that he cares. And so if you know anything about Israel, you'll know that about 50% of their land is covered by the Negev Desert. And the trees, particularly cedar trees and olive trees, don't grow in deserts because the environment's too harsh, it's too arid. So when Isaiah gave this crazy, ridiculous, outrageous prophecy, people ran about and would have been thinking, oh no, he's been out in the sun too long, or he's been drinking the, the, the new wine, or do you know what, this time he has just lost it. Because this was an utterly ridiculous thing to prophesy. Because rivers can't flow on barren heights, and trees can't grow in the desert. Well, palm trees can, but cedar trees can't. And yet almost 3,000 years later, in 1948, God brought the Jews back from all over the world. He resettled them in the nation of Israel. And for some reason, they started to dig holes. And they started to dig holes in the desert. And do you know what they found? They found an underground, secret, hidden network of rivers flowing underneath the desert. Rivers that God had placed there thousands of years before that no one knew about. And after they discovered them, they started building these irrigation systems. And then almost 3,000 years after Isaiah gave his ridiculous prophecy, the rivers flow on the barren heights. The springs flow in the valleys. And there are trees growing in the desert places. Do you want to see what that looks like? Well, <laughs> okay, can someone click it? Right, um, can somebody do the, yeah, do, do, just click it, yeah. Because there's an amazing picture of this forest just growing in the desert place. That worked well, didn't it? It's good, good job amongst friends. Yeah. So we got it there. Yeah. 
it's unexpected Sunday. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that was a desert just full of sand. And it's not just the odd tree. There's a whole blooming forest growing in the desert places. Now, I'm going to see if this clicker's working now. Are we working? Yes, we are. I have power. Fantastic. Right. So why am I telling you about trees growing in desert places? Why am I telling you about a, a guy that prophesied something ridiculous 3,000 years ago? <laughs> because we live in days where everything that can be shaken has been shaken. We live in days when Brexit's on the horizon, when there's a risk of another independence referendum, when there's all sorts of pressure coming to bear in our jobs and our lifestyles. And a lot of us are sitting thinking, Lord, what's going to happen? And in the midst of all of the things that we're, we're experiencing, I want to just declare today that our God is still God. That he's still on the throne. And that when he says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. When he says we can trust him, we can trust him. And when he says he's our provider, he's our provider. Amen. He's totally good, totally faithful, and totally trustworthy. And the words impossible and the words hopeless don't exist in heaven. And yet that word and that emotion are things that the enemy just loves to throw at us. The Israelites didn't know what they were going to find when they started digging. And yet they dug. They didn't give up. They kept striking the ground. And one day they discovered that the prophetic words that God had released all these years ago were absolutely true. So why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, if God said it, that settles it. She. And just as God has placed secret underground rivers under the desert in Israel, he has planted seeds of destiny along every inch of your timeline. Some of them are seen, some of them are hidden. So today, if you feel like you're in a desert or a dry place, I want to declare that you can trust God, that he will do what he said he will do, and that there's an underground river for you to find. So I guess the first thing I want to leave with you today is hold on to hope because God's on your case. And hold on to faith because God loves to take the word impossible and rip it into tiny shreds. Hold on to hope and hold on to faith. And later on, we're going to have a time of ministry and if you've been struggling in these areas, we want to stand with you. We want to agree with you for breakthrough. Because these words, hopeless, and, and that emotion, um, it, impossible, or rather the other way around, they were impossible, and they, and, and they thought, uh, let me start again. Yeah, God's on your case, hold on to hope, the word impossible doesn't exist. And that emotion, hopelessness, doesn't exist in heaven either. So why don't you just declare nothing is impossible with God? I don't think I believed you. Can we declare it again? Is now what I'd like you to do is think of the thing that's really bugging you. Think of the thing that you've not seen the breakthrough in. Think of the thing that you think, oh, only, why is it not fixed? Why is it not sorted? Take that thing right now, put it in the midst of your mind right now and declare with me that nothing is impossible 
with God. Nothing. Amen. So I'm going to tell you a few stories of where we've seen deserts and where we've seen rivers flow in the desert places, and I hope it encourages you. The first one, as you know, many of us um, within Light and Life have been given favor to, to take little teams into Parliament, and I guess you guys know that. And we've been going in on a regular basis to minister to the MSPs and to their staffs. And then last year, something happened. You see, someone who's not a fan of Jesus and is really not a fan of the chaos that we create when we're there, because people get drunk and they get healed and all sorts of weird things happen, they passed a new rule. They changed the rules. And they, they, they made this rule that groups like ours could only go in every other year. And we were due to go in in December. And this rule was changed. And it meant we would have to wait a whole new year before we could actually take a team in. But when our sponsor heard about it, she said, I can't wait another year. We need you to come in now. And she's not even a believer, right? We need you to come in now. So what did she do? She broke the rules. <laughs> and and, and she, she booked her room, said she was going to just have one of her meetings, and she let us in through the back door. Right now, when when the, when the officials heard out, they weren't very happy about it. But when they saw that the, the impact that it was having on these stressed out MSPs and on their staff, they changed the rules. Come on! It was our busiest visit ever. Once again, we saw people healed, people set free from oppression, and MSPs sitting with their hands out, not even believers receiving strategic downloads from heaven. Come on. What the enemy means for harm, God turns around for good. And when one route gets closed, God opens another. So today, if it looks as if some goalposts have changed in your life, if it looks as if the route you thought you were going on has been blocked, then you need to know that our God is an expert in opening other doors. Our God is an expert. Have you ever got these sat-navs? Rerouting. <laughs> I think if my sat-nav could actually talk intelligently, we would say, oh, no, not again. Rerouting. But, you know, when, it, when our path appears to get blocked, our God is an expert in just charting another path because you know what? The man-made barriers of God cannot stop the river of God from flowing. And when one door closes, God opens another. So that's one example of where a man-made barrier tried to stop the river God flowing. And God just laughs. He just laughs. And the, the worst thing we can do is believe the enemy. And think, oh no, it's not going to happen. Oh dear, maybe we heard it wrong. Maybe God didn't really say that. Or is that just me? <laughs> hey, when God says it, that settles it. We can trust him completely. Last year, I was contacted by someone who oversees 64 of the most deprived parishes of the Church of Scotland. And this person said to me, this is true. Well, I wouldn't stand here and tell you a lie. But this person said to me, the Church of Scotland is really struggling right now. It needs to change. We need to see the power of God brought back to our churches. Can you help us? And I'm like, let me think about it. Whoa. So in the last year, I didn't, I had a sozo phase. Yes, I'm sure that'll be fine. I'm sure we can arrange something. And so I'm like, oh, let's have a party. Right. 
So over the last year, we've taken teams to minister at their conferences, and we've done prophetic consultations with different church leadership teams, and we've been looking at what God loves about them, what his destiny is for them, and what they need to put in place to go from where they are to where God wants them to be, enabling it. That's great. Oh, I can't wait. That's fantastic. And they've opened it with, with open, welcomed it with open arms. And the first time we took a ministry team into one of their, their conferences, they were a bit nervous. The guy that invited us in was totally up for it, but his leadership team, well, oh, I'm not too sure. Oh, what if something strange happens? <laughs> anyway, they gave us um, a little stall right next to all the respectable stalls that were offering counseling services and pension services and all that kind of stuff. And there we were with our banners, destiny words, spiritual cleansing, in other words, deliverance, and healing for your body, soul, and spirit. And one by one, we definitely stood out. It was like, oh my goodness, what is this? But one by one, these, these Church of Scotland ministers with their dog collars, I love the dog collars. Well, didn't all wear them, but most of them did. They would come along and they would sneak in and they would get some ministry. And some people were really up for it and then you could see others sort of really kind of giving it the body swear. Oh, I don't know about this. What is the Church of Scotland coming to letting this sort of thing in? Anyway, at one point, one, one man who was pretty high up in their hierarchy, he, taught, he popped by. And he didn't really believe that the gifts of the Spirit were for today. But he was such an encouraging guy. He was lovely. So he came along just to encourage us. And he happened to let slip. Oh, I've got a sore shoulder. <laughs> Would it be okay if we prayed for you? Sure. Why not? Well, we prayed for him. And at first he said, I don't feel any difference in my pain. But I can sure feel Jesus here. So we kept praying. Oh, my, that's amazing. The pain's all gone. And then do you know what? Do you know what? See, as we stood, he got more and more tipsy. <laughs> and you could see all these ministers with their dog collars looking on, and I'm silently praying, oh God, please don't make him drunk. <laughs> not here, not now, please. <laughs> but Holy Spirit totally ignored me. And this respectable Church of Scotland minister got tipsier and tipsier until he got to the point where he could hardly stand up, and eventually he staggered away. But in his drunken state... I've just been healed. <laughs> I've just been healed. It worked. <laughs> and then since then, we got a queue of people and we've been invited to these different Church of Scotland congregations. Now, I just want to declare that the river of God is beginning to flow, even in our mainstream churches. Is that not awesome, guys? Is that not just amazing? And, and when I look at Scotland, it, it's like, She's been saturated in Holy Spirit oil and it's just going to take a little spark here, a little spark there, and there's going to be flames everywhere. The, the, the revival is just it's in the air. I don't know if you can sense it, but it's so close. And you know what? Each one of you are called to be as carriers of fire. So again, why don't you just turn to your neighbor and this time own it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a carrier of fire. Cool, and, and, and this, this oil that, that, that just is all over our nation, it's been flowing out to all the different mountains of influence. And I'll tell you one more story. Is that okay? Um, recently, I received this email out the blue from a lady who's a freelance reporter for the BBC. I get some strange emails. Sometimes I have to read them several times to make sure they're not just spam, but she wasn't asking from a bank account or whatever, so I thought, okay. I'll read it. Hi, Barbara. 
I am a BAFTA-nominated filmmaker. I read about Light and Life online and was immediately struck. I would really love to meet and hear more about your vision and possible ways of working together to produce a documentary on spirituality in Scotland. Wow. I have to confess, I was about 60% excited and 40% wanting to go to the loo. Do you know, it was one of those, well, that's a bit scary, what if it all goes wrong? Right, anyway, so I kind of said to her, well, I don't want you just coming and filming her, guys, because we need to have everything in place, so why don't we meet for a coffee and have a wee chat? So we did, we met at Costas. And she said, tell me about your religion. I don't have one. What do you mean you don't have one? I don't have a religion. I'm a Christian, but I'm a spiritual one. You see, the difference is I get to walk with God. I get to know him. I get to hear his voice. I get to share my days with him. And she burst out crying. And then she said, I think meeting you had more to do with my journey than, than making a, a documentary. We invited her to come along to the event in March. Mark was leading the worship. I said, come for the whole thing. Come for the pre-event worship. Get, book yourself in for ministry. Stay and listen to the testimonies. Because I wasn't wanting to hide anything. I wanted to, turn, to encounter God. So she came along to the worship and she hit God and she just stood there. And I couldn't tell what was going on, but she was experiencing God big style in the worship. And then she, she cried her way through the different ministry appointments. And before she came she said I've never seen anyone healed I've never really heard of anyone been healed of course that night what did God do he healed everyone that walked in the door and so our guys were all saying oh this woman came and her leg was hanging off and God went back together well not quite this woman came and she you know God healed her leg and God healed this person's back and God healed this that the next thing and her jaw just dropped and at the end of her testimony time we didn't ask her to you know at the end of the testimony time she just said I came here to see if Jesus existed and tonight I found him isn't that awesome? She, she still wants to do something, some sort of film or documentary. And, and one of the things she said to me when I was chatting to her about it, she said, when I came in to that, that building, it was in the Tron, and I encountered God in the worship, it was just incredible. It was just amazing. And, and we're looking around the, the coffee shop, the Costa again, these people don't know God exists. And I'm going, no, they don't. What if we could capture that feeling in the worship? And we could create a documentary or a film and people, millions of people, could encounter what I encountered in their homes. Not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not quite sure how all that's going to unfold, and, but God's got it. And I just want to declare here today that our God makes a way where there is no way. Whatever you're facing in your life, I'm going to say this again, our God makes a way where there is no way. His river cannot be stopped by man-made barriers. If you have a destiny that God has spoken over your life and you just think, oh, if just that person would get out of the way, it would all be fine. You need to know that the river of God is not stopped by man-made ideas, opinions, or barriers. There is nothing and no one that can get in the way. When God says it, that settles it. We can trust him completely. So in the time that's left, I want to talk a little bit about who God's made us to be and how to cultivate an increasing sense of his presence wherever we are, whatever we're doing. 
And some of you might have heard a couple of bits of this before, but that's okay, we're going to go a bit deeper. So I'm going to start by looking at Genesis. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we read that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and then a series of things happened. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he went on to say, let dry land appear, let the earth sprout vegetation, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And that's how he created the earth, the heavens, and life on earth until until he made us. Because he didn't make us that way. He didn't say let the earth produce humankind. He made us differently. He, and, and if you read it, it says, let us make mankind in our image. And instead of just speaking us into existence, he formed us from the dust of the earth. And then as we've been singing, then he, he released his breath into our nostrils. And the first man became a living being. The first human was created. And that scene would have been absolutely astounding and breathtaking. And I love to just chew on scripture. I love to take verses and, and, and paragraphs and just imagine it in 4D. Yeah, or 5D sometimes. Just imagine what it looked like, felt like, smelt like, what it tasted like. And as I was sitting wondering and meditating on this, I realized that light travels at a certain speed. And so when God said, let there be light, some parts of the planet would have received that light before other parts. But the phenomenon known as light still existed even if it hadn't yet been experienced. And I realize that sometimes it can be a pregnant pause between when God says, let there be, and when that thing comes into being. And there are people here today, and you're in a place of a pregnant pause, where God has said, I am going to, or there will be, and you haven't yet seen it. And I just want to declare once again that when God says it, he will deliver it, even if you can't yet see it. And when God said, let there be light, the phenomenon known as light existed, even though certain parts of the planet hadn't yet experienced light. Father, I thank you that every promise you give us is yes and amen in Jesus. I thank you that we can trust you completely. And I thank you that you are so, so faithful. Amen. So that passage that I've just read from in Genesis, it illustrates something of God's word, but it also shows us something else that's pretty breathtaking. Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God created us by hand. He brought us to life with a kiss. The fingerprints of God are all over us. The breath of God is inside us. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, the fingerprints of God are all over me. And his breath is inside me. You see, that act of, of being personally involved in our creation didn't stop in Genesis. Psalm 139 says he knit us together in our mother's womb. And none of us are here by accident. None of us are a mistake. That's why I got you to start by saying God knew what he was doing when he made you, because he did. <laughs> and you're awesome. And when God breathed his breath into Adam's nostrils and he brought him to life, that creative act shows that Adam and mankind was formed from two different substances. The dust of the earth and the supernatural breath of God. <laughs> 
He was so different from the other creatures around him because he had access to the earth like they had. But he was also a spiritual being with access to the spiritual realm around him. And that's why Adam and Eve could communicate so well with God in the garden. Didn't need the prophets of God to truck up, say, thus saith the Lord. It was God direct. And, and that's what he wanted. That was his original blueprint. That we'd be able to live on the earth as, as spiritual beings with a physical body. That we could communicate with the physical realm, but we could also communicate with the spiritual realm. But you know the story, stuff happened. Adam and Eve sinned, he fell. But when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for everything that could get in the way of a relationship with God. Absolutely every barrier. He knew we would mess up. He knew we would fall. He knew the, the choices that we would make. He knew what it would cost to have friendship with you and with me. And yet he made us anyway. And that blows my mind. He made me anyway. He made you anyway. And that's how much he wants us. I crave his presence, but he craves mine. And he craves yours. He just loves it when we actually value him enough to say, let's just take that back out of the diary because this is, this is too precious. This is my God time. This is my date with God. <laughs> I just want to encourage some of you to do that with your busy diaries and I'm speaking to me right here. Let's take some of it out. Show him how valuable he is, how precious he is. Two of the biggest questions that, that people have is why am I here and who am I? Who am I? And it's only when we encounter him that we get these questions answered. And today, wherever we are in our journey, I'm looking around this room and this is like a powerhouse. I mean, I know some of you guys and some of you guys are pretty awesome. And others I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you're awesome as well. <laughs> but wherever we are in our journey, I just want to declare that there's more. So again, just turn to your neighbor and say there's so much more to discover. So the first way we get to encounter God's presence is through his omnipresence. And when God designed our planet, our universe, our solar system, he did it in such a way that even people who don't know God or even believe in him can experience something of his presence anyway. Colossians 1.17 says he's before all things and in him all things hold together. In other words, everything that exists, exists in him and his presence is absolutely everywhere. And that manifestation of his presence is called his omnipresence. So this planet, this universe, this solar system is already impregnated with the very presence and essence of God. And that's why people who don't know God or they have no relationship with him, when they go hill walking or they, they take themselves away from the busyness of our life, they feel the sense of peace, don't they? And they feel spiritual. But you know what? Peace isn't just a feeling. Peace is a person. <laughs> and so when they take themselves away from the man-made distractions of everyday life, they're able to sense something of him and in our spirit, when God breathed into us and brought us to life with his kiss, with his breath, that breath's like a heat-seeking missile searching out the spirit of God. And that's why people who are not even believers feel a sense of peace when they go to places of natural beauty because they're experiencing the, the Prince of Peace even if they don't recognize him. So, if there's nowhere that doesn't contain something of him, all we need to do is stop. I wish I had a big sign 
stop, pause, look, experience. The devil doesn't try to get us to do big sins usually. He just tries to get us busy. Because if we get too busy, we miss out on God, eh? So, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Made the point. Um, yeah. So when Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden, they lived in the omnipresence of God. There were few distractions around at that time. Just nature, the angelic realm, mankind and God. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Just nature, the hosts of heaven, the angels, um, mankind and God. So they would have been aware of the omnipresence of God, but they received so much more than that, didn't they? They knew God in another way. They knew the personal manifestation of God as well. And he was with them, not in an abstract out there way, but in a personal up close way. And I don't know if you've heard of a woman called Isabel Allen. She's one of the most kind of Christ-like people I've ever met in my life. Um, she, she stayed at our house for a couple of weeks. And I spent like a month trying to clean up before she came. And on the day I went to get her from the airport, my boiler broke. And I thought, oh no, how's she going to get her hot showers and stuff like that? And I was explaining it to her in the car. Isabel, I'm so sorry, my boiler's broke. Don't worry about that, dear. Okay. The whole two weeks she was there, we had hot water and the boiler never worked. Work that one out. And no, it wasn't an electric shower. It was just, she just carries the presence of God to that magnitude. Anyway, when she left, it stopped working again, which was a bit of a pity, but <laughs> I'm on a journey. <laughs> but I'll never forget something she said. She said, God, God told her this. I have many followers I have many servants, but I have very few friends. Whoa. I have many followers and many servants, but very few friends. And if we go through life not having developed that friendship with the Trinity, we kind of missed out on the whole point of life. So why don't you just take a moment right where you are in your seat and just dialogue with Holy Spirit and tell him what you think of that statement. I'm going to read it again. I have many followers, I have many servants, but I have very few friends. What do you want to say to him about that? <laughs> He's just awesome, isn't he? When we stop and when we think about him and when we meditate on him, we're like, why didn't I do that sooner? <laughs> why didn't I clear my diary sooner? I'm an Egypt. Right, okay. But I don't need to stay in Egypt. <laughs> so we can experience God through his omnipresence, through his personal presence beside us. But we can also experience the presence of God in a place or a location. And the word manifest actually means revealed in a way where we can experience his presence through our senses. So that's what it means. Sometimes seen, sometimes heard, sometimes felt. And, and Chronicles 5 tells us that the priests and the Levites were in the temple going crazy. They were praising God with everything they had. They were singing, his love is good. His love endures forever. Do you know, sometimes we get fed up when we sing a song three times. These guys were only singing those words all day. His love is good. His love endures forever. But they believed it. You see, so they didn't mind. Um, and as they were worshipping God with everything that they had, it says the temple of God was filled with a cloud. 
And the priests couldn't minister because the glory of God filled the temple. I don't know about you, but I've had a little taste of that. I want so much more. I want to get to the point where I can't even physically stand. Where we're just like, oh, we met with God and it was just awesome. What did the preacher preach about? Well, nothing because they were so slain in the spirit they couldn't preach. Wouldn't that just be awesome, guys? Just the full weighty manifest presence of God. Let's get rid of programs and performances. Guys, when we come together, let's just come together for him. Amen. Well, so a key for experiencing the presence of God is just to worship him. And I remember there was a revival in uh, Lakeland, Florida back in 2008. And I was watching it on the telly. I don't know if any of you caught up in any of it. But as I was watching it, I was like, oh, God, I want to experience your presence like that. And I want to see healing like that. And he says, really? And he said, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to go. Okay, cool. So I booked some flights um, to Orlando. Flight was 12 hours long. And it just so happened that the person sitting next to me was a bit of a nutter. He was really aggressive. He was being rude to everyone. He was winding them up. He was start, trying to start a fight, basically, with anyone that was near, near enough. And after a few minutes, he turns to me, where are you going? I'm going to a conference in Florida. What kind of conference? A Christian one? I hate Christians. I thought, oh, brilliant. <laughs> a 12-hour flight with an aggressive nutter who hates Christians. Just perfect brilliant so at that moment I had a choice I could just put the earplugs in and listen on my iPad um, and, and ignore him for the next 12 hours or I could choose to try to connect with this guy I don't particularly want to connect with this guy but I felt the Holy Spirit just nudging me I thought okay I'll give it a go and if it doesn't work I tried okay right so so I kind of said to him okay so you hate Christians but you any good at poker it's probably not the best evangelistic line in the world. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> and we spent the next 12 hours playing games of poker. <laughs> it wasn't strip poker, don't worry. And there was no money. We just played poker. <laughs> and as the, the plane neared Orlando Airport, something happened. Something in the atmosphere shifted. And suddenly we could sense just this manifest weight of God's presence on the plane. Now, I don't understand how the mechanics of heaven work. And I don't care. But at that moment, God chose to manifest himself so strongly in that aeroplane. And I know that thousands of feet below us, people had come together and they were just worshipping. They were just adoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as they worshipped something of the presence of God, just it, it, it just filled the city and above. It was up in the air. They, I don't know how, 20,000 feet maybe? We hit the presence of God 20,000 feet in the air because people were worshipping God below us. Oh, and as that happened, I got this download for the guy. And Holy Spirit told me to tell him that God knew why he was angry, why he'd lost hope. And God said, tell him, I know you, can't, you think you can't be forgiven for what you've done, but that's a lie. Because I haven't given up on you. 
And I want you to experience my love and my forgiveness. And this guy broke down in tears and he told me that he'd been involved in the troubles in Northern Ireland. His cousin was Jerry Adams. He'd been so sickened by the things he'd seen that were done in the name of religion that he was going home to commit suicide. But his encounter with God in the plane 20,000 feet in the air changed everything. And tearfully, this guy reconnected with God. I never saw him again. But I know that he met with God. And I know the impact it can have on a city when God's people truly worship him. Our worship can shift the spiritual atmosphere over a place. And if these guys in Florida could create an atmosphere of the presence of God over a city, what can we do in Glasgow? Get a bigger vision. How many planes fly over here? <laughs> Let's get a bigger vision. Even where you live, you worship God in your rooms. You don't know the impact it's going to have even in the stratosphere. Wow. So God's all around us. He's with us. His glory can rest in different places, but there's more. <laughs> because his presence can also be on us. And in scripture, when the presence of God came upon people, they'd be changed. They'd be empowered. They, they, they did things they couldn't do before. And Elijah was one of these people. When the spirit of the Lord came upon him, suddenly he was like, whoa, I don't have the cloak and I don't have the big S, but you know what? I can walk across the water or I can part the water. I can call fire from heaven. I can raise the dead. And Elijah just one of many people from the spirit of the Lord came upon and he was changed. Have you ever sensed the presence of God on someone? I have. I, I can often tell if people have spent time with Jesus because it's not like they've got a, like a, a perfume. It's difficult to put into words. It's, it's just his, you can sense him on them. And quite often when I go different places, I'll fill my car up with people who can make me laugh on the way or, or pray for me or whatever or say, that was okay, don't worry about it afterwards. <laughs> um, but as I, as I drive and as I pick them up, and they come in just carrying the presence of God. By the time I picked the second or third one up, I can hardly drive sometimes. Because his presence rests on them and you can sense it, you can feel it. And so actually, as presence carriers of God, we don't even need to speak sometimes. Because wherever we go, we take his presence with us. And if we've been worshipping him even individually, it's almost like this unseen, unsmelt thing. <laughs> well, he's a person, but it's more than that. You walk by and what was that? There's, there's an atmosphere that you carry as well because you carry him. And when Jesus was baptized, we're told the spirit of the Lord descended on him like a dove. And it was that encounter, that anointing that enabled him to do the miracles that he did. So we can experience the presence of God around us, on us, with us, but there's even more. Because if we've invited Jesus into our lives, then we also have his presence in us. Um, and that living in us is known as the indwelling presence of God. And each of those types of encounter that are mentioned around us, with us, on us, in us, each one of them bring an increased sense of intimacy. And one manifestation doesn't invalidate the other. They're all still available for us. And he wants us to encounter him in all those ways and more. So it's not wrong to ask Holy Spirit to manifest himself more powerfully in our meetings. 
It's not wrong to ask him to come. Yes, we know he's here, but what we're actually asking is, can you manifest yourself even more in a way that we can sense you through our sight, through our ears, through our smell, through our feelings, through our emotions? And I don't know about you, but I want to experience God as deeply and as powerfully as my little human body can cope with. I want to experience that, that, that thick Shekinah glory every time I meet with other Christians. I want to walk with him more intimately than I do today. I'm still on a journey. But boy, do I want more. I'm a greedy wee girl. <laughs> I want so much more. And the thing is, he wants it even more than I do. And so just as I draw this to a close, I want to quickly look at just a couple of things that can get in the way that the enemy loves to just wind us up with. And I'm going to go back to Adam and Eve for a moment. If I was to ask you the question, what went wrong in the garden? I guess some of you might say, well, they ate the fruit. Well, actually, that was just a symptom. You see, the root cause of their behavior was that they didn't know the goodness of God. And the serpent persuaded Eve to take the fruit basically by saying, God's a liar. You can't trust him. You won't die if you eat that fruit. He's just trying to stop you from reaching your full potential. If Eve had had a better revelation of the goodness of God, if she had known God was utterly trustworthy, utterly good, that he had their best interests in mind, then the fall might not have happened, or at least not in that way. And their walk with God was damaged and limited because they didn't have a big enough grasp of the goodness of God. And today, if you felt that way, that, well, I can trust God out there, but I can't really trust him for the things I'm facing, then we can deal with that in the ministry time today. Just come and let us stand with you. I've been there. I've been in that moment of, God, can I really trust you with this? Because it doesn't look like it's going the right way. And sometimes in my own little logical mind, I can take myself down a path I'd rather not go. I'm just being real and honest here. I guess we've all been there. But today I want to declare that God is utterly trustworthy, utterly good, and he has our best interests in mind. Amen? And as you read through scripture, you, you find that same theme again and again, that people just didn't know the goodness of God. Oh, that's Cain killed. Oh, ahead. I was going to talk about Cain next. Cain killed Abel. Why? Because he lacked revelation about sonship. He had feelings of jealousy. He had feelings of rejection. And these are horrible emotions. Has anyone here never felt jealous? Anyone here never felt rejected? These are horrible emotions. And not only do they hurt us, but they put a filter on how we see the world and how we see people around about us. And the good news is that today, if, if you've been hurt, or you've, you've, you're struggling with feelings of jealousy, rejection in the ministry time, we want to we wanna stand with you. I want to stand with you and say, I've been there. I've felt jealous. I've known rejection. But you know what? There's freedom. Amen? Noah, he walked with God, but after the flood, what happened? He got drunk. And then he cursed his, his son's family line. Why? What happened to Noah. Well, many scholars believe that Noah got drunk because he was suffering from PTSD. They think he used alcohol to self-medicate after the traumatic experience of the flood. And if that's true, then knowing the goodness of God, knowing him as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us, would have helped Noah 
navigate that chapter of his life so much better. And so today, if you have unresolved trauma, or you have things that have happened in your life that are still holding you back, or you're self-medicating in some way, then we want to stand with you. We want to see you healed. Amen? And finally, Satan often preys on our ignorance, on our doubts, and on our fears. He picks areas where he thinks there's a vacuum in our knowledge of God. And it's into those places that he releases his lies. But the thing is, that even if we don't know all the names of God, even if we don't know all the attributes of God, if we know he's good, and we know we can trust him, then the enemy and his assignments don't stand a chance. So time's gone, guys. It's been awesome being with you. And we just want to open it up, I guess, for a time of ministry. I'm kind of looking at Jan here. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so if you felt that you're in a, a desert place or a dry place, then come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you've been feeling with struggle or struggling with feelings of, of hopelessness or disappointment, then please come forward. We want to agree for breakthrough in those areas in your life. And I just want to, if you just want to make a public declaration that I want to pursue more of the presence of God, then again, if you want to come forward just as a prophetic act, we want to stand with you and say, yep, with you now. Then, then I want to encourage you to do that. If you felt negative feelings about God or others, or if you need physical or emotional healing, again, I don't want to talk about God like he's not in the room because he's right here. And if you need healing, don't leave sick. Don't leave sore. Come. Let's trust him. He's utterly good, utterly faithful, and he's here.